0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from, wait, I can say it this morning, Globe Life Field in Texas, it's the Texas Rangers 7, the Cleveland Indians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And I appreciate every one of the morning people that actually listened to that episode yesterday, A very, you know, difficult situation for me having like five hours of sleep in between jobs and uh, trying to record the podcast in the car as I was driving to work safely. I promise safely was not looking at my phone. Uh, But yeah, I even listened back to it. I was like, man, this audio quality sucks. So all of the morning people that uh, actually listened to that episode yesterday, thank you. I hope you enjoyed my thoughts on the game. Oh, it feels good to be back on the good mic. Anytime I have to record an episode like that, and then I get to come back and sit down on the good mic, it feels good. So, uh, let's talk about this game. And speaking of watching baseball being played, and speaking of Globe Life Field, was I the only one that really hates Globe Life Field? It's it's so dark. It just, everything seems so dark there in the night games. Like, like, there's just not enough light on the field. Like, there's not enough light in the stands. I mean, progressive field at night is, you know, glowing. You could see it, you know, from the planes coming in. Uh, Globe light field, it just, everything feels like it's kind of in shadow a little bit. Plus, whoever designed this ballpark and decided to put camera positions way up high. Way up there. Look, when I go to the game, all I can afford is nosebleed seats. Most of the time, I don't need to see it on TV. I already get that view when I go to the game. I when I'm watching on TV, I want to be as close to the action as possible. Why would you put your camera positions up in the nosebleed seats? It was made no sense. Especially, I did not get to watch a lot of this game live. Had to watch a lot back in highlights. Uh, I did get to watch a lot of Friday night's game live and the camera camera angles, the camera positions, the camera work just did not seem right. It just we've been watching baseball all our lives and there's a flow to it and it just wasn't happening in that. You know, I don't know if it's the Rangers broadcast crew. I don't even know. Are they sharing broadcast feeds still? I think they are. I think they were to cut down on travel and things like that. I think they're still sharing broadcast feeds with the home team on these road trips. Yeah, just, it was, I don't know, pay attention today. Pay attention today and tell me if you think it's it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit weird watching a game down there. All right, anyways, let's talk about the actual thing on the field, the actual baseball being played, because the Indians were in this game for, oh, I'd say about three and a half innings, and then Texas kind of blew it wide open, and they run away with this one. I told you, man, every time we face the Rangers this season, it's kind of felt like a slugfest, and they definitely won this slugfest. They landed two big haymakers. They land a three-run home run. Uh, They land a uh, a big bases-loaded double, two-run double. They definitely landed the haymakers in this fight. And, I mean, frankly, the Indians... Didn't even threaten that much. They had five hits on the day, I believe. Yeah, uh, Miles Straw's double is the only extra base hit uh, and only draw one walk. So that's really only six guys, you know, getting on base on the day. Um, I know some other people probably reached in some unconventional ways. There were a few more base runners than that. But, yeah, I mean, it's just a day where Jordan Lyles, all right, this is the top storyline of the game for me. Jordan Lyles, the last time we faced him. And this guy is not some young upstart uh, you know, pitcher for the Rangers that they picked up in some trade. This guy is a veteran, a 30-year-old veteran that's bounced around to a lot of different teams. Houston, Colorado, San Diego, Milwaukee, uh, Pittsburgh, and now Texas. And he ends up ten and thirteen on the season with a five fifteen ERA, hundred and eighty innings. He was basically just an innings eater for them, right? You gotta find somebody to pitch the innings, and uh, they found Jordan Lyles to go out there and pitch hundred and eighty innings for them. And the last time he faced Cleveland was arguably his second worst start of the season. Maybe, maybe you could argue his start back in April against the LA Angels was his worst start of the season. But against Cleveland in August, he, uh, he takes the loss, goes three and two-thirds innings, gave up nine hits, eight runs, all earned, uh, gives up two home runs in that one, a walk and three strikeouts. So we crushed this guy when he was in Cleveland. His line in this one, he is dominant, seven innings pitched, two hits, one run, one walk, eight Strikeouts on 99 pitches. Only two hard-hit balls the entire day. Myles Straw's double doesn't even qualify as a hard-hit ball. One goes to Bradley Zimmer, and one goes to Fran Mio Reyes. That is incredible. What a turnaround for Jordan Lyles to be a guy that absolutely gets pounded uh, back in August. And Let's see if I could pull up this game from August here. Let's see what his CSW numbers were for this game back in August and see what Jordan Lyles turned around in this one. So his CSW numbers are actually pretty fair. Uh, was not getting a ton of swing and miss, but was getting decent called strikes on his cutter and his forcing fastball. Eh, his curveball wasn't really working for him or his slider. He only threw the slider four times. So we were hitting the off-speed stuff pretty good. Um, putting it in play, maybe, and uh, struggling a little bit with the cutter and the four-seamer. All right, so let's see. Let's go to the player breakdown in this one and see what was working for Jordan Lyles in this one. In this time, he threw the slider a ton. Big change. Goes from throwing the slider four times to throwing the slider number one, his number one pitch, 25 times and pumps in 21 curveballs. Curveball had a 43% CSW. Slider had a 32% CSW. Tons of swing and miss in this one. 50 swings, 17 whiffs, a 34% whiff rate in this game. Last time it was 39 swings, six whiffs, a 15% whiff rate. So there you go. Pumping in the sliders. That's the big difference for Jordan Lyles in this work, in this one. And it works. It works to the tune of eight strikeouts of Indians hitters and uh, going over to the illustrator here, we could take a look. Let's take a look at the locations at the types of pitches he was using for these strikeouts. And it's really a mix of everything. Uh, He's got some fastballs on the, uh, on the for him would be the outside edge uh, going in on Bradley Zimmer, going in on Bobby Bradley, getting called strikes on both of them on the inside edge on those guys. Throwing a high cutter to Roberto Perez that he can't handle, that he swings through, does he get two strikeouts on the slider, uh, way out of the zone. Harold Ramirez, how many times have we seen Harold Ramirez chase a slider way out of the zone in the other batter box, batter's box? Right, we have seen him flail at some really, really bad pitches out there, and then uh, got Andres Jimenez with an indoor with an inside slider, broke a slider in on him. And gets him to foul tip it into the glove for strike three. Gets two strikeouts on curveballs, gets you Chang on a curve and Rey Reyes on a curve. Really living on the right edge of the plate from the catcher's view with all these strikeouts. And finally, one sinker. He came in it down and into Roberto Perez for a called strike three. Paints the bottom edge of the plate right at the knees for strike three to Roberto Perez. So, really used all his pitches. Four strikeouts. This is a guy that was just locked in yesterday and just dominates the Indians hitting. Um, On the other side of things, Tristan McKenzie was not having himself that great of a day. wasn't the worst start from Tristan McKenzie. This is bizarre. Four innings pitched, four hits, four runs, four earned, four walks, two strikeouts and two home runs. That equals four. 74 pitches a four ninety five ERA, and gave up four hard-hit balls. So clearly there was a theme to this start for Tristan McKenzie. (laughs) Sometimes numbers just work out in weird ways. Um, McKenzie, yeah, he struggles in the first inning. He gives up the line drive home run to Willie Calhoun to start things, and then comes back. He's doing okay. Comes back in that fourth inning and gives up the three-run home run to uh, Jonah Heim. And both of these home runs, if we jump back over to the illustrator and we take a look at the location on these home runs, they're both fastballs right down the middle at the belt or the thighs. Uh, Calhoun's was a little lower. Heim's was a little higher. Uh, That was the first pitch of the at-bat to Heim. Uh, For Willie Calhoun, he had worked it to a three-one count. So he kind of had to pump one in there and both of them make him pay. So, this isn't this isn't a situation where uh you know McKenzie got burned by something like that hung a breaking ball or something like that. This is a situation where you can't live with a fastball right down the pipe. You know, major league hitters are going to demolish that. You got to work the edges. You have to work the edges. You got to work the corners. You can't pump them right down the middle. And even he said in the post-game interview, I served those ones up. I served them up right down the middle, and they made me pay. And I know I can't put a ball in that location. Now, for the most part in this game, he does a good job of throwing his fastball to all four quadrants. I, I will say, really three out of four quadrants, still struggles with down and away with his fastball. It's a location we've seen Shane Bieber really attack with his fastball. He loves attacking down and away. With his fastball. Uh, So yeah. So he does live a little bit in the middle of the plate here. But he does throw that fastball up and down. uh, And to to all four quadrants. Keeps the curveball down. And uh, the slider snapping across the zone. Didn't really use the slider to all four quadrants. Like we've seen some other pitchers use. Uh, Mostly swept them across the zone. A couple of high ones. But mostly sweeping it down and across the zone. And didn't really locate, didn't really hit the strike zone with many sliders. So, yeah, he was out of the zone with his off-speed pitches. And uh, maybe a little too much on the plate with his fastball. Uh, CSW numbers for him, nothing was really popping. I mean, uh, only 23 swings, only 3 whiffs on his fastball. Only a 15% CSW. 29% 29% CSW on the slider. He got a few swings and misses on that one. 4 whiffs on 9 swings and only a 9% CSW on his curveball. Frankly, they just laid off a lot of them cuz he was missing down with them. He didn't he didn't put one in the zone to really challenge him with. So, not great CSW numbers on the day for McKenzie. He said post-game that, "Yeah, that was a little bit disappointing today, but overall he felt like the season was really positive." Um felt like he did a good job, stayed healthy all season, really made some strides and some success. And he did. And he absolutely did. If you look at his game log, you know, there's a good stretch in here where he's doing really well. The month of August, two and one with a 193 ERA, the 0.50 whip, right? A really good month of August. And then things start out okay in September. Um, starts off the first three starts, two and one in the month of September, has some good outings, only gives up one run in one, two, three consecutive starts to start the month of September, but his last three starts, he goes 0-3, gets hit around by the Kansas City Royals for seven runs, only lasts two and a third against the White Sox, giving up three runs, and then the four-inning, four-run game here against the Rangers to finish things out. So, a little bit sour taste in the mouth to end the season 0-3, but there are some huge, Huge positives here for Tristan McKenzie to take into the offseason and to work on. And I think he's proven to himself that he can definitely compete with major league hitters. He can compete at this level over an entire season this time. Now he's just got to take it into the offseason, keep working on that fastball command, staying away from the walks. Four walks is way too many for him. Um you know, he's got to turn some of those back into strikeouts. So, there's a lot for Tristan McKenzie to work on this offseason. He's going to be in a battle for that fifth starter spot with Eli Morgan. Um, you know, if one of those guys comes into spring training and really struggles, the other one's going to be there to take that fifth starter spot. Uh right now, you would think Tristan McKenzie probably has the leg up on that spot. I think Uh, just because the entire city of Cleveland is behind this guy. And you got to imagine the coaching staff and the rest of the starters and the rest of that clubhouse is behind him too. I mean, he seems like just one of the nicest guys in baseball and uh, we're all pulling for him. We're all cheering for him as much as we love Shane Bieber being our ace. You know, we've been eyeing Tristan McKenzie for a long time. as that like top prospect in the system? And I think everybody in the Indians organization would love for Tristan McKenzie to have a run as the ace of this team, the way, you know, like CC Sabathia did, you know? So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see uh, what he works on this offseason and what type of pitcher he is when we're out there in Goodyear, Arizona, getting ready for 2022. Uh, I, I'm pulling for him. I got high hopes for him. I think he really, really battled and competed and, uh, I love what he brings on the mound every one of his starts. So that's my big rant on Tristan McKenzie. That's your starter battle right there. Probably the top storyline of this game. Uh, offensively, you know, the Indians really the only one who got anything done on this game was Miles Straw. Um, he He's basically responsible for both runs. In the third inning, he lines a double into the left field corner. It brings Chang in to score with two outs. Chang having reached base via the hit-by-pitch. And it just grazes the pad on his arm or his hand. And uh, Miles Straw is able to deliver and drive one in the left-field corner. Straw then, you know what? I don't even... How the heck did he even reach base in the ninth inning? Because it wasn't via the hit. Um, let's see here. Scrolling down to the ninth inning. Uh, oh, he grounded into a force out. Okay, so Andres Jimenez had singled. Straw hits him into a force out, so Andres Jimenez is out at second. Straw is safe at first. Um, then Mercado singles, moves him up to second. Jose Ramirez would pop out, but then Fermil Reyes would deliver the big RBI hit with two outs. I mean, at this point, it's pretty late in the game, but it's a seven-one game in the ninth inning. But Fermil Reyes would single into right, and Miles Straw would come around and score. So Miles Straw literally responsible for both runs for the Cleveland Indians on this one. And Straw has been fantastic since coming over from Houston. When you look at the numbers, Houston versus Cleveland, everything has gone up since coming to Cleveland. The batting average rises from 262 to 286. The on-base percentage, which is the key for Straw... And I feel like just based on the amount of RBIs he had versus runs, I feel like Straw spent a lot of time hitting nine down in Houston, where now he's been hitting leadoff the entire time he's been in Cleveland. And he was on base 339 clip in Houston, up to 365 now with Cleveland. That is great. And then even the slugging percentage has gone up. Lots of doubles. Been really racking up the doubles. Goes from 326 up to a 380 slugging. Moves that OPS from 665 to 745. I will take, if he can just stick with that and literally deliver that entire season again What he's done with the Indians for 2022, come on. That is your leadoff hitter right there. And uh, even the stolen base percentage has been better with Cleveland. He's uh, 12 for 13 in steals with Cleveland, where he was 17 for 22 on stolen base attempts with Houston. So. Even the stolen bases have improved uh, in Cleveland. Uh, the strikeout, the walk-to-strikeout ratio is better in Cleveland. So the isolated power is better in Cleveland. Even the reached-on error is better in Cleveland. So, uh, yeah, a lot of stats have gone up since he's joined Cleveland. And you know what? Frankly, on a day where the Indians' offense doesn't do much, when the pitching wasn't spectacular... Uh, I'm giving Miles Straw MVP for the day. Hey, the dude's responsible for both runs we scored. I I mean, I think that earns MVP for the day for me. Oscar Mercado had a pitch-in single. Jose Ramirez did have a hit up the middle. Fermil Reyes gets the RBI hit in the ninth. And uh, Andres Jimenez had that hit also in the ninth inning. So that's your Indians offense. And out of the bullpen, Trevor Stefan actually gives you two really strong innings out of the bullpen uh no runs scored in two innings 40 pitches sam henches he gets hit around uh henches honestly wasn't throwing balls in bad spots when you look at the location of everything they hit off henches uh the rangers did a good job of going and getting some tough pitches and hitting some tough pitches off sam henches uh guy unfortunately uh you know they did a good job uh let's see here the in play balls And the in-play run scored. Yeah, Henches, a couple of curveballs that he kind of hangs in the uh, middle of the plate, including the one that goes for the big double, the big bases-clearing double. But one of them is a slider that pounding in on Nathaniel Lowe uh, that he's able to flare out. And one is a fastball that he pounded in on Andy Ibanez. So, frankly, neither of those pitches are in bad locations. Henches, unfortunately, they got to him in this game. And they left him out there for a long time. Now, I know DeMarlo Hale is in the situation where he's like, well, let's see if this guy can fight his way out of it. I think if this is a game in May and the Indians are, you know, battling at the top of the division, I don't think Sam Hedges gets left out there like that to work his way out of it. In September, when you are heading towards your first losing season since 2012, uh, you let a guy stay out there and see if he can work his way out of it. You know, you'll, you give him... Yeah, you let him work, you know, you let him deal with a little more trouble because I mean, what's the point at this point? You got to see what this kid has. Uh and let him face some adversity out there on the mound and see how he handles it. Now, unfortunately, he gives up the big bases-clearing double. That's how he handled handled it and they uh Texas Rangers really extend their lead there and kind of put this game out of reach in the bottom of the 8th. So, that is all my thoughts on this one. I mean, the Indians unfortunately They're going to finish below 500. Yeah, it sucks. It really sucks. Uh, A losing season, official losing season under Terry Francona. Um, They have a chance to get to 80 wins. Uh, When we first were talking at the beginning of the season, and I think it was uh, our friend Steve from the UK who was pushing me to kind of predict how many wins the Indians would have. You know, we thought they might be in the mid to high 80s. Well, it turns out, no, we're looking at 79 or 80 wins, and hopefully we can win the last game and go out on a happy note at the end of the season. We are officially the second place team in the American League Central, Um, and speaking of the standings, all right, come on now. If, If you're not locked into the Indians right now, you have to be locked in. Have to be locked into the drama in the American League wild card. Four teams on the last day of the season all have a chance to get a postseason berth to lock up the wild card. Not to mention what's going on in the NL West with the Giants and the Dodgers. The Giants cannot finish off the Dodgers for the division, they're letting the Dodgers hang around for that division title out there in the NL West. The Giants have been a great story all season, something we don't really talk about on here, but the fact that this combination of veterans and, and, you know, the pitchers they put together and the fact that they've just been running away from the Dodgers all season and the Padres and now they might let the Dodgers catch them for the division, that can't happen. The Giants have to finish this thing off. So a Giants win or a Dodgers loss locks up the division for San Francisco I mean, frankly, if you're a San Francisco fan or a player, you kind of want to win the division on a win, don't you? Wouldn't it feel weird to win the division if you both lost? Anyways, uh, that's going on out there. And then Boston actually moves ahead of New York because New York got pounded by the Tampa Bay Rays yesterday. I watched some of that game while I was working because the college football at noon yesterday was not very good. So I flipped over to watch a little of the Yankees-Rays game on MLB Network. And the Rays were pounding the New York Yankees. And it might happen again today. And if it does, if the Rays can pound the Yankees one more time, they could knock the Yankees out of the playoffs. The lineup that includes Judge and Rizzo and Stanton and uh, Gallo, right? This ridiculous power lineup, also ridiculous strikeout lineup, could find, you know get knocked out of the playoffs. As a Cleveland fan, I love that. There's nothing I love more than seeing the Yankees get knocked out of the playoff contention. Uh, But Boston could fall too. I mean, there is a chance still that Seattle or Toronto could jump up and take one of these spots. they got to do their job. And everybody plays at 3 o'clock. Everybody plays at 3 o'clock, which means the drama is going to be insanity absolute insanity. A few teams the latest start is 320 Mets Braves, which that game doesn't matter. Uh everything that matters starts at 3 between 305 and 310. So there is going to be a ton of drama once that Browns game is done today. I don't care about the afternoon football games. Once that Browns game is done, I am locked into baseball for the end of the day. So, let's see how all the drama plays out and I'll be back tomorrow. To do our final Indians game of the season, I, I frankly I can't believe we've made it here. Uh, it's going to be Aaron Savali on the mound trying to get us up to eighty wins, going against Dunning for the Rangers. I honestly can't believe we we we've gotten to this point. Um, you know, wrapping up the regular season. Now I'll still be here to talk uh, baseball with you all off season. Not going to be doing daily episodes as we roll into the offseason here. So look for the month of October, probably be recording on Saturdays and Sundays. We'll do some wrap up episodes. We'll do, you know, a wrap up episode on the starters maybe, on the bullpen, maybe we'll do infield and outfield separately, really spread it out, spread out our thoughts, give a t- you know, give time to do a deep dive on each one of these position groups, what was working, positives, negatives. We'll look at you know what this team is going to look like in 2022. Uh, decisions that the front office has to make, and then as things start moving on, uh, you know, in the hot stove season, as arbitration things come up and winter meetings things come up, and frankly, uh, I'm pretty sure the players' association and the owners need to iron out you know labor contract talks. So. There's all sorts of off-season news and conversations that we're going to have, and I'll be here, you know, I, I, I tend to do maybe two episodes a month during the off-season as we ramp into spring training uh, come March, so end of February, March. So I will be here to talk baseball with you all off-season, and stick with me, and I'm going to really push and really fight to grow this show and make this the best Cleveland baseball podcast it can be going into the 2022 season, into the Guardian season. So, when the Indians officially change their name to Guardians, the podcast will also officially change its name. I'm, I'm sure you've noticed that it's been said Guardians in parentheses uh, for the last few months. So, the podcast will officially... That's why I named it Cleveland Baseball Mornings. Kind of evergreen. That was a kind of a smart decision on my part. So that will not change. It will always be Cleveland Baseball Mornings unless I get up, you know, changing careers and suddenly it becomes Cleveland Baseball Nightly. But uh, for right now, Cleveland Baseball Mornings uh, will always be the name and just the subtitle will change. So it won't affect too much. So that is all my thoughts on this one. Again, thank you for listening yesterday and thank you for listening today. Hey, if you want some show merch, if you want a t-shirt, I just got a t-shirt from my dad. He loves it. Visit clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com. We got premium t-shirts, 50-50 blends, tri-blends. We got hoodies, coffee mugs, and more for men, women, and kids. Show off your pride for Cleveland baseball and help spread the show's name with some high-quality shirts and gear. The link is in the show notes on whatever app you're listening on, and it's my pinned tweet on Twitter at Davy Barris. Again, the final from Texas. It's those Rangers seven, your Cleveland Indians two. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Cleveland Baseball Mornings at Gmail.com. I will do a mailbag episode with all of your thoughts, morning people. But you got to email them in. You got to email them to Cleveland Baseball Mornings at Gmail.com. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.